This is Music Respawn. I'm Kate Remington with Doyle Donahue. He's the composer of uh, many Warhammer soundtracks and most recently Aliens Dark Descent created by Focus Entertainment. And Doyle, it's great to meet you and I'm really looking forward to talking with you about your soundtrack for Aliens Dark Descent. Oh, thank you. I'm ready for your questions. Far okay. Away. <laughs> okay. The game is it's phenomenal. It's set about 20 years after the original Alien film and it throws the player right back into that really terrifying world filled with xenomorphs and uh, there are also some cor corrupt members of the Wayland Utani group and you get to play as Mako Hayes and I think what the game does so well is balancing, you know, the kind of isometric view real-time strategy sort of focus with a lot of cutscenes. So you really feel like you're in the middle of, of the action, which is fantastic. Yeah, I think from the beginning, uh, the this game studio and I were on the same page that we wanted to make the experience as close as possible to Alien and Aliens and, you know, Aliens 3, you know, <laughs> two, but mostly the first two movies. Because actually, they're very, since they're very different, the Alien, Alien is more of a, haunted house kind of thing you know we're a lot of sneaking around and you know and su jump surprises you know and, and jump scares and things like that where aliens had a lot of that too but it's all it was also a military shooter as well which is which was an ideal open door for video games to jump in and say okay we can do that <laughs> let's do that <laughs> and, and that's i think that's what they did so so they wanted to be uh, you know, faithful to the the root of their origin you know, as as much as I did. So it was never really a, uh, a discussion, I think, that much. I think we all wanted the same thing from the very beginning. That was to be an almost homage to the original uh, Alien products, Alien and Aliens in particular. Sure. Well, I know a lot of studios, when they're lining up the composer and you're first starting to work together, they'll show you or play you some temp music. And um, you kind of had the <laughs> the best temp music ever with those soundtracks from Jerry Goldsmith and James Horner. And I'm really curious about how you kind of deconstructed those so well, that you could get to the heart of what makes them sound the way they do. Well, first of all, you know, uh, I think there was probably no other movie and, and plus music that uh, affected me more um, musically than Aliens. Uh, Alien, Aliens, and of course Star Wars. And so I saw Alien when it first came out on the huge panoramic curb screen at a dome theater. And so I mean, I even have my original, <laughs> my original <laughs> program, you know. And but that's certain. And of course, I, I love the music. And I've told the story a number of times. But at the beginning of the movie, when it's and I, I think they changed the beginning a couple of times when they re-released it. And, I don't know why they they edited, but I do remember they kind of changed it. But when I saw it, it was just the scene where uh, the uh, the planet in the background, the spaceship going across, and the music was a lot more quiet. I think they used other things, uh, mm -hmm. other music when they had later releases and stuff. But the original one was very quiet, very subtle, and very scary. I remember being freaked out about it to the point I was thinking, as a lifelong science fiction fan, thinking geez, maybe we, maybe we don't belong out there. <laughs> that's just from the first scene, just from the first music. So definitely they released they released the, the soundtrack, which was the new thing in, in those days was to release a soundtrack at all. I mean, for a movie, I mean, it was only for special, very special things, but well, Alien turned out to be very special. So, you know, I was first in line to get uh, get it on vinyl, and I played I played the grooves out of that. Plus, <laughs> I, you know, through the years, I've been collecting all of the scores for especially mm -hmm. their first uh, first two movies, the re-releases, remixes, and uh, some were just totally ripped <laughs> from somewhere, <laughs> somewhere and, and other stuff. So, yeah, I started doing those and studying, and of course, uh, when I, you know, so I listened to it a lot before I jumped into um, to being a full time composer, and even even by then I had done a lot of um, ripping of, of CDs and when they when they came available and mm -hmm. and and uh, studying it. But so when I became a composer, a full time composer, and 
well, Games Workshop, you know, for Warhammer, they actually reference the music for some of their races because they have multiple races in, in Warhammer. And one of them happens to be Tyranids and Tyranids. I think Tyranids were inspired by Alien. So it was a natural reference. So I I, I definitely had to go back a, a number of times, go back to the music, the original music, and find out what's going on there and what made it special. And, uh, and then, you know, to the point where... You know, this came along this aliens descent. It was more like, well, this is something I've been preparing for for a long time. So <laughs> I was like, I was wasn't necessarily shocked. I wasn't totally surprised. I thought it was kind of like almost a, a natural evolution because I always wanted to do something. You know, uh, do a score for the alien franchise. And well, what do you know? Here it is. So, <laughs> so I welcomed it with open arms. I think my my uh, my assistant was probably the most surprised. I, he was wondering what the next project was. What's the next project? And I sent him this once it was confirmed. I got his NDA and all. I sent him a big picture of this kind of crystalline slavering alien. I said, "This is our next project." <laughs> and so he was very excited. Very excited. He, he must have loved that. That's Nikola, right? Yeah, Nikola, Nikola Yeremich. Yeah, I, he's yeah, actually, yeah. but he's he's been a guest on the podcast. He's a really oh really guy. yeah. yeah. <laughs> So yeah, he was yeah he's he's a young guy and I've been mentoring him for some years now mm -hmm. and uh, and so we've we worked on this one and he's he he made some pretty good contributions as well uh, you know I do uh, I do a lot of editing I mean he sends me stuff I do a lot of editing and, and others guiding and you know redoing and stuff and uh, until we get 
a unified effort and everything but yeah it's uh so yeah he was very excited i was i thought it was a natural evolution <laughs> so yeah <laughs> i could do this this is yeah matter of fact the studio was was kind of they were telling me about this on you know in a on a, on a video call and and they were like so how do you feel about it? are you okay with this thing i was like well, yeah <laughs> sure <laughs> <laughs> You know, they thought I'd be really intimidated, uh, but and some people would be. I mean, it is a big deal, but sure. you know, I, I wasn't. No, I wasn't intimidated. I was more excited than anything. I just, this, oh, this is going to be fun. I know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like I have any doubts as to what direction to go or how you know how to do things. So yeah, no, I didn't have any problems with it at all. I said, yeah, let's go. Let's do this. Sure. Well, let's yeah, it's. It sounds like the musical language that well, Jerry Goldsmith, for starters, used wasn't totally foreign to you because you'd been living with it for so long. And I wonder, I was talking with Gordy Hab about some of the music he's written for the Star Wars games. And he said he went back to John Williams' sort of inspirations, like um, The Planets by Gustav Holst, to kind of get his head into that language. And I'm wondering if you did kind of the same thing. It, it sounds to me like... Goldsmith was using a lot of Penderecki or like ideas from Penderecki. And so as you were listening to it, did you kind of pick that apart? Well, maybe not directly Penderecki because I'd heard it so often so many times in other places. So it, you know, it, it, it's not surprising that Penderecki and, you know, what Goldsmith uh, uh, did is it sounds all that different from each other. I mean, Penderecki you know, pioneered it and, and Goldsmith, you know, took it and ran with it, you know, and <laughs> so, and so did a lot of other composers as well. I think, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I like, I, I like Gordy. I think I would say, yeah, sure. He, he probably went back and listened to Holtz and stuff like that, but I think he, like me, was being very influenced by Goldsmith and Horner and Goldenthal, you know, he was very influenced. <laughs> I know I talked to him. He was very influenced by Will and John Williams. I mean, sure. he's a huge fan of him. So, so definitely, I think that would probably be the overriding for both of us, but the overriding, uh, you know, influence would be the, these composers that was doing these new movies and then, and they defined the sound for you know that franchise you know aliens or star wars you know that's that was our primary thing it's nice to go back and listen to the other roots and stuff you know and, and certainly penderecki I liked him, but I also, when I was in college, I liked a lot of really weird oddball electronic music that <laughs> that people constructed out of foreign objects and stuff and mm -hmm. and sine sine wave generators and all kinds of you know you know found sounds and put that together i always thought that was really interesting and uh, so i'd listened to that a lot and done a little tinkered with that as well so that was i wasn't a stranger to that but so but yeah i, I didn't really have to go to pen as far as penderecki because i mean it was already obvious you know that you know there there was that influence uh for for goldsmith in particular I personally think that that the the 
vast audience of non you know composers and professional music listeners those are the rest of the public out there probably were more familiar with things like they heard in 2001 a space odyssey sure. you know there was a lot of stuff there that was very you know elatoric you know and, and very flowing and choirs and and strange hot melodies and shrieks and all that kind of <laughs> stuff so i think People are already, you know, used to listening to or hearing that kind of stuff in movies already with some, with a movie like 2001 on Space Odyssey. So it wasn't a huge jump when they did it in Aliens, you know, not yeah. at all. Yeah. So. Well, and I think film scores like game scores now have a lot more leeway with the sounds that they can put in, in the music for the games. It doesn't all have to be an orchestra anymore. No. And I was giving the original Alien soundtrack a, a little bit of a listen earlier and he put a lot of sounds in there that weren't just instruments. And so did you use that as a kind of a template for your soundtrack? Yeah, there's a lot of interesting sounds that uh, especially Goldsmith put in that I thought were, were really interesting. There's one thing, probably people will say it's a bassoon, but I think what he did, you ever see uh, go to a game, uh, a sports game, and you see someone having these long trumpet-like plastic trumpets, oh, and it makes sure. this kind of a, a flutter tongue sound. Yeah, yeah. Well, he used... Well, I didn't quite use that. I did use a bassoon and flutter tongue, but I think he used something like that for some of the sounds that was that represented the aliens, and I thought it was super creepy that he used yeah. it. It's kind of a, you know. So yeah, he did a lot of really strange things there. It just totally creeped creeped me out. You know, I mean, I went to that movie multiple times after the first time, and and I remember, I remember talking about the creep out factor and the gross out factor i mean i i knew where, where to get up and go to the bathroom you know what time what places <laughs> where i'd go to the lobby and then there'd be people in there freaked out and couldn't watch the movie anymore they were leaving and some people one person was puking <laughs> because after the chestburster scene because no one's seen anything like that in the movies ever you yeah know? or at least it went to full-on horror stuff you know which people are not a lot of people go see uh, horror but well, this was a major movie, and they were getting horror right in the face with that. Oh chest yeah, scene. and it kind of came out of nowhere too. I mean, there's a yeah, lot of I know. tension. It was a big band. surprise. Yeah, <laughs> I saw Aliens in the theater, and i I couldn't eat my popcorn because it was just so intense. <laughs> yeah, it's real could be at the edge of your seat thing, but uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I really liked it. You know, it's a funny thing. Uh, uh, I was talking to some other project and everything about, and they 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 thought. And I was suggesting that they should have done a, a jump scare at this one at the very end of this particular project. And and they said, no, no, yes, but it's done and everything. And I was thinking back to Alien and mm -hmm. there's like five jump scares in that thing. And and already in in the horror genre, they'd already the jump scares were all over the place. You know, mm -hmm. it's 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 always been there. Yeah. So and and then Alien did it, you know, like uh, multiple times, and it, no one said, Well, that's old hot we don't do that kind of stuff because it'd be too common you know it, it worked mm -hmm. and which means that you know if i think you know if this particular project i was working on they'd use more of the jump scare i think it would have been a more effective you know part of the, their story but they didn't, they didn't want to do that that's fine that's uh we, we just don't think it was similar and people it was still well received but sure. <laughs> but yeah <laughs> tried and true you know yeah you know, so that kind of dovetails into yeah sure orchestra was a uh, played a big part of you know of both my score and the alien aliens but sure a lot of they put a lot of in the in the original movies you know they put a lot of other found sounds and other things in there too that made things differently like, like an echo machine is not part of her usual orchestra you know right. <laughs> <laughs> and it was used quite extensively in alien you know and which i did too as well because i think it was one of those sounds that immerses you in an alien environment so there's for example colenio uh, colenio is a, a technique where you know the people in the orchestra bring their old instruments they don't mind getting beat up and at, and they what they do is they take their bows for the string section and slap their their instrument with it make a clack sound and so and having a whole orchestra doing it together is kind of really effective i always love that sound yeah. and and they put an echo an echo machine on it so it had to be a machine in those days because there wasn't so no such thing as digital right. so they so so you'll hear parts of alien here that <laughs> which kind of harkens back to the thing that movies like scream or whatever i think the others when they use that sound like <laughs> you know 
<laughs> so it's another horror tale, but it was, they did an orchestral version of that sort of thing when they did an alien. So, yeah, there's lots of little things like that in aliens. And I actually spent a lot of time going through the scores and, you know, digitizing you know, in a digital shape so that I could actually edit. And I edited out, not melodies, you know, that's not, that's not the point. The, the thing is, is the sounds, the sounds in the environment that made it sound alien. And so I got... I, so I got a, dozens of the, all these things I just cut out of the score and to study to figure out how to do. It. I mean, the Colenio example was a, was a good was an easy one because uh, Colenio is an instrument you usually get in almost any string library anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> so I got a lot of those kind of sounds and I and I kind of I duplicated those sounds or I did versions of it with, using the same techniques that were more my own.
plus there's just the fact that since since that movie and especially in the last 20 years our sound palette has you know exponentially ex exploded i mean i have i don't know if it means anything to you i have like you know, you know over four terabytes of instruments wow you know, and that's a lot and actually that's a lot and my template for my my normal template for for my work is around uh 1500 tracks <laughs> and i usually before starting a project i go through and and you know add and remove things that i think i'll need for that particular that particular score mm -hmm. uh to, you know to, to make it unique and uh the requirements are different from from you know project to project and you want to you have to spend some time going through figuring out what sounds you want to use in those particular projects and well doing an alien score it was a little more obvious <laughs> so so i I, so I, I did things that are, you know, that was done in the past, but maybe a different way, plus creating my own things that sounded similar, that spoke, you might say, in the same dialect mm -hmm. as, as as the movies did. So so there was that. that so I mean, I might answer a question you, uh, you might have asked later is about, uh, you know, compiling you know, instruments and stuff, but uh, yeah. that, that's how I did it. So. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to have four terabytes worth of samples and instrument libraries and that thing but then you've got to know them inside and out otherwise you spend a lot of time sifting through them and i i love that you settled on um the uh the modern scoring strings uh that library is really cool because it sounds like a hollywood orchestra well actually really it is i mean <laughs> since it was all the same players of the hollywood orchestras you know and yeah modern i've used uh, audio bro stuff for years, ever since they first came out with uh, LA scoring strings, and LA scoring strings are a lot more really aggressive sounding, and I, I especially like their spizzicatos and staccatos, and I still use them today. But I also mix them in with other things like, um, uh, let's see, like Spitfire stuff um, um, and cinematic scoring strings, and others things for that I mix in with uh, LA scoring strings because LA scoring strings tends to be really dry, not drier sounding while some of the others have a little more room to them and you put them together and it sounds more realistic. A lot of, a lot of experimenting and playing around, but yeah, I get back to the point here. Yeah. The modern scoring strings. Uh, if you listen to the, like to the opening track to the aliens thing, there's a, uh, there's this, you know, violin section violin well string section playing it's very subtle playing and it i think it was the first time that uh, horner used it you know i'm talking about aliens now right. not the alien aliens <laughs> but he uh it is a very subtle kind of sounding things uh which is kind of you know contrary to the action kind of stuff that was going to be coming up but it was kind of uh it was kind of slow and sad and evolving uh string melodies and i think Horner liked it so much that he used it in other movies. <laughs> like you ever see the movie Sneakers? Yep. Sneakers. He put the he put it in there too. Oh, <laughs> Same wow. exact melody, everything. <laughs> so but I, I really liked it. But to get that kind of subtle, you know, sad kind of sound, symphonic sound that modern scoring strings was a complete natural for that. because uh, it really sounded authentic and and you know, it's like, you know, you want to pick the best part that fits whatever you're doing you know and and for that particular part especially that i was uh, that i was doing that was something similar to that it's more of a symphonic kind of string section uh you know modern scoring strings was the thing i would choose i used other things for other things other parts later but for that particular section uh, of music or those sections of music which required that kind of subtle kind of spacious sound uh you know that modern scoring strings was was really good
Well, so once you got sort of the band together, all your your sounds and your strings and the other things that you were going to use, how did you how did you get started? I mean, like, what was the first thing that you wrote for the soundtrack? Um, it's called, I, I don't really remember. What I do is it's kind of bombard developers a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's not a narrow. I don't want it to be a narrow thing. You know, I'm not emotionally emotionally attached to to my music if I'm writing for other people because it's not my music; it's theirs. Mm -hmm. So, I usually come up with a lot of ideas and things, and uh, for for doing things. And I I made a lot of different things uh, that I thought would fit with the story that I knew of uh, at that early stage. And uh, also, they had a bit of a video, and I did something for that. And Mostly that the idea was rejected because it was it was too it was too epic, and it wasn't subtle enough for the alien environment. But actually, the end of it actually did get used. Uh, I used I recycled that part. But so I can't put my finger on exactly what I what came first because I would just uh, I mean it's a flight of ideas, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> so I do a lot of I did a lot of different ideas because already you know I had this massive background in the Aliens franchise. I I knew what I was doing. I knew where I wanted to go with it. At least I knew the direction I wanted to go in, and we just needed to kind of get it more in focus for what they needed. So sure. I, I I so I bombarded with a lot of ideas and and then we <laughs> got in zoom tech calls you know and discussed it you know yeah. and uh, then i moved on you know from there yeah so so what was like the winning entry from from all this stuff do you remember what that was well there was a number of things because one thing i i noticed in one of your, your questionnaire that thing you're talking about uh about addressing certain scenes and stuff and really that's not for, mo for most of the games I ever worked on, that's really not something that, that happens. I mean, you can address scenes when you're working on a, on a TV, on a series, on a video, you know, because everything's static. You know, you know, you know where everything is. It's, actually, I think it's writing for, for writing for video is a lot easier than writing for games because uh, writing for video, the you know, it's all there right in front yeah. of you, you know, and you go point A to point B, you know, and, and there's these things in the middle and you spot all the, the places in there where you need to do stuff and you discuss it and everything and you start mm -hmm. writing for it. And it's pretty easy for games, for a lot of many games, at least most of the games I worked on, it's not, it's not that solid structure yeah. thing. It's more of a loose structure where you're talking about, you know, you know, like storytelling mm -hmm. and discovery and, sneaking around in the dark and hearing strange noises and you know and you know having a quick encounter with you know with uh with enemies uh in this case aliens stuff mm -hmm. and uh you know running away and and hiding you know things like that <laughs> so you discuss those kind of moods i mean these are all kind of emotional things they're all moods and uh so what you want to do is to is to address those particular situations because what, what you got what i do is like even though i'm writing an hour's worth of music it's we're, we're still talking about a game that could go like 40 hours yeah so they have to have something to work with uh, for all that and so what i so we try to do is cover all the bases for the things like you know uh, exploration and and for, you know discovery and first encounters and and finding something really horrific and explaining it and having some cutscenes and stuff and things like that. So you, you do it, you do it more like that, you know, and more of a, as an arc and everything. So as a matter of fact, we actually took a different approach as I, as I was doing all this, uh, discussing all the storytelling and stuff is that I did things like uh, uh, 20 minute tracks that would cover the basis for most of those things and that's actually how i delivered a lot of the music was these very long tracks and each of these tracks had like like 20 stems that made them up which is a good thing for them because they they get all the stems for all this 20 minutes of music and they can go through and edit it yeah and put them in things like you know cut scenes or or various points in the story and the system's all in the same key and i wrote it all to be kind of interconnected it was very easy to cut and splice things together so it all flowed still instead of sounding disjointed like going from one thing to another it all flowed sure. you know smoothly from thing to thing which i think it, it did in the game so. yeah it, it, it really did and there's a moment when like kind of early in the game when mako is sneaking around and doesn't want the aliens to see her and it's really really tense i mean i was holding my breath 
like I was really her in in the terminal room. And the way that you got that tension in the music was amazing. And are there any, oh, I don't know, tricks that you've learned through the years about what makes music really tense sounding? Once again, we're talking about like, you know, speaking in the music language or dialect, you mm -hmm. know, and you kind of pick that out. I mean, I always found it kind of hard to describe this kind of creative process because I think remember one time someone was saying uh, that, you know, talking about talking about music is like tap dancing about football. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> and so I, I don't know, it's it's a kind of a creative process of the things you've learned through the years. I mean, you don't you know, you don't uh, overanalyze how you learn to talk or, or the way that you talk that much. You just you talk in a certain way and you talk in a certain dialect mm -hmm. and you talk in a certain, you know, technical forms of things that you've learned along the way and then you use your imagination and that's and that's what comes up with the music it's not it's not something it's so structured i mean it's just create a process that you have to do with so that'd be kind of my answer is that it's it just a you know flight of ideas and a flow of things and you try a lot of things and a lot of things a lot of things don't work and so a lot of things do work
the idea is that you know is I for me it's always been like you know I give them too much things to to listen too many things to listen to so that you know they have <laughs> you know if they reject something so what we can move on to something else or I can make edits I mean this in a way it's kind of like you know writing a book you know you can everything's right there in front of you and then if they don't like a certain section or you just go back to those pages in the book you know and edit it you know and yeah. the music's no different these days i mean we have these uh, things like cakewalk and other dolls and you know and editing things is very easy and I'm, since i was a software engineer i found it was it very similar to making to writing writing code you know hmm. especially yeah. windows code i did that for like for a very long time and 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 i found that it that was just very similar to music making music because you're taking you know, very small things like in codes, very small instructions uh, that do, you know, very something very simple or, or in music, a, a note that does only one little thing, you know, mm -hmm. and you put these things together to make something more complex. And one of the tricks of the trade is that you don't start making things really complex because if you make them complex, they just get overly complex and then it, it just becomes garbage after a while. <laughs> and, and then the old saying that we had in the, you know, and writing software is garbage in garbage out so what you do you usually try to start out simple and putting these little parts together and getting a nice outline for where you want to go and then filling in the blank blanks as you as as the things progress and polishing i do a lot of, i spend a lot of time polishing things to make it sound better and the sound you know sound if it's orchestral stuff to make it sound as live as possible you know yeah. or or if it's synthetic stuff, just make it sound as, as impactful as possible, or at least, you know, in this context, if it needs to be that or subtle as, as it needs to be. But it has to sound good. And, yeah. and my saying throughout my career, and I've said this to many times to others, including composers that, you know, uh, who want to pigeonhole thing, I said, my, my saying was, if it sounds good, it is good. That's all <laughs> that matters. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I've heard that credited to Duke Ellington. And really? it's, yeah, and it's, he's right. I mean, there are so many different ways to make a thing sound good. And, you know, the, the, the thing is, you've got to have something to start with. And so as you've got these ideas in your head, do you sit at a keyboard and get things out kind of on the virtual manuscript paper? Or how, how do you get things out of your head <laughs> into, into your dog? <laughs> it really goes, Usually when I start with something, I really have a really good idea of what I'm going to do anyway. So it's just a matter of almost dictation. I just have, and it, since it takes a lot of time to get it on the, the screen, you know, and the DAW and and stuff, it, you know, it's, uh, you have plenty of time to be thinking about what you're doing and how to improve it as you go anyway. So, and basically, like a lot of people do, I compose as I go too, as well, you know, and, but Overall, it's I, mean, I know where things are going. I know what's going it's supposed to sound like. I know what uh, I've already got a pretty good idea of what the melodies are and everything it's going to be. And it's just a matter of dictating it out there and getting it, you know, into a a, a shape and, uh, that's reasonably reasonable to to listen to. And not always not always easy, because as I pointed out to some people, like you know, it's a some things just flow and it's great and you hear it and you go, wow, did I make that? <laughs> and, <laughs> it, uh, you know, and some things you just have to beat to death into, into shape, you know, you just have to just <laughs> force it into being something, you know, uh, that sounds really good because it'll resist you sometimes and just, you know, it'll sound lousy and then you'll just keep working at it and keep working at it until it sounds good. Other time, it just flows and it works, you know, so and a lot of place in between there too, you know. Sure. A lot yeah. Of, yeah, a lot of problem solving it comes with composing and engineering as well. A lot of problem solving. Yeah, I'll bet. What do you do when you get stuck? Or do you ever get stuck? Like you just write yourself into a dead end kind of? Well, fortunately, I've never really had experienced that. I mean, I mean, sometimes, like I said, you know, you can get to a point where uh, uh, you have to beat it in, into submission, you know, and <laughs> and that's that sometimes uh, it gets to be a little uh, frustrating because you know where it's supposed to sound like, and it's just not getting there and you have to keep working at it and keep working at it until it, it is where you, where you want it. And it does sound like the way you want it sounds like. And I've had equal success. I've had some things that, that I started out just flowed and sounded great and people loved it. And I've also done things where I had to 
you know, like beat it into submission and finally get it. And they loved that too. You know, <laughs> it's just one took a lot more work than the other because it was sure. just being stubborn, but I don't know. I don't think, you know, with all the, you know, all the worlds that the stage, you know, as a stage for you, you know, and you have all this, all these resources and stuff at, you know, knock on wood, you really have no excuse for, you know, running out of ideas or places <laughs> to go. Uh, although if I get stagnant sometimes, I would think I'd go and listen. I, I have a special folder I call it OPM, uh, which stands for other people's music, <laughs> and which which is I actually sometimes if I hear something, I'll cut it up and put it into snips and things and stick it in this folder and I'll go back and listen to it. And usually for techniques, because there's a lot of things like it's called and it's called like orchestral devices. And, you know, to be a successful composer in Hollywood, I heard you had to know like a thousand orchestral devices. And so. I might not know all 1,000 of them, <laughs> but I probably have them in my uh, OPM folder, you know, <laughs> and I can learn some new things. I don't mind learning new things. Learning learning new things is always the fun part. Yeah. And also the most inspiring thing is like buying a new instrument and having fun with it because, you know, it's not something you're used to, you know, you, you get to do new things with it and, and it's inspiring. Sure. Yeah. Kind of like having a Ferrari, a brand new Ferrari and you can, well, what does this do? <laughs> so, Yeah. Yeah. Except for this, just like the Ferrari, though, you know, you can get in it and drive it around. Uh, okay, but you may not know what all the doodads and all the electronics does, you know, you, you have to get out the manual <laughs> and start working on it and figure it out. I mean, I, I, I got a, I have a, a Subaru Outback, and it has a manual that's that thick, mm-hmm. you know, because it has all these safety features and all this little doodads electronic gizmos and you know things that interface with your phones and laptops and bluetooth and blu-ray and everything <laughs> not blu-ray but but uh but yeah it's it's one thing to use something it's another thing to master it you know or you get really the best use out of it and i spent a lot of time doing that I, I i might buy an instrument and get some pretty good use out of it just by you know jumping in and driving it around but probably to get the best use out of it i don't have to sit down sometimes and just figure out you know what all the where all the you know all the body where all the bodies are buried you know and you know <laughs> how to get and how to get it to do some other things because lots of times i listen to i watch you know instructional videos about the instrument and i'll and I'll, and I'll, a lot of time go, oh, I didn't know it could do that. <laughs> oh, that's new. <laughs> How'd you do that? I have to figure out how they did it, you know? And it's, so that's a lot of things. That's just a lot, a lot of manual reading, which I, by the way, I think is, if you're having trouble sleeping, uh, read, <laughs> read a computer manual. It'll <laughs> put you to sleep. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I've, I've had composers tell me that they, they love writing music for the boss battles or combat. Or they really love the the um, writing for cutscenes because everything's right there. It's like a little movie. Yeah. Or they'll write exploration music as a kind of a mental vacation. So I'm wondering if you have a, a favorite kind of music that you enjoy writing as part of the overall score. Well, don't don't underrate the the subtle stuff. Some of the subtle yeah. stuff is so naked that if you screw up, you can really hear it. <laughs> Whereas if you're doing action score stuff, you might screw up something here and there and probably no one would notice, you know, <laughs> because it's so complex and there's so much going on. And as to answer your question about, you know, um, being the favorite kind of thing, I mean, early on, I probably liked, since I, I was really enamored with the Warhammer, and that's they're the ones I begged and pleaded to, to do music for in the very beginning, because I liked what the, I like to do action music and that kind of combat music. But after, but over the years, you know, I mean, as I started doing other variety of things, it's all very interesting to me. So, yeah, when I'm doing something as subtle as, you know, as discovery scenes and sneaking around and stuff like that, it's very subtle. But you have to be very careful, too, because, you know, it's all exposed there. It's you can hear everything, whereas, you know, the action stuff, you know, it's it's a little you get away with a little bit more, a few more bloops or stuff.
I can understand why, you know, a lot of composers love writing music for cutscenes because everything's there and you know the player isn't going to mess it up by taking longer to explore or open up all the boxes and and look for all the stuff um but you're skip skip (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) that happens too (laughs) but yeah the exploration music is interesting because i imagine it can go on forever and that's kind of up to the audio team or the the director but also you want to give it enough variation so it doesn't get monotonous yeah well that Definitely wrote with that kind of thing in and uh, and mind. So there were big, huge sections that I did. Well, huge for in music terms, maybe uh, huge in say four or five or six minutes mm-hmm. of that kind of tension music for the quieter scenes, everything. But I do, and I sometimes do an uh, other project, and I did it for a bit for this one too. I do something I call overcomposing, mm-hmm. which means that I put in. Uh, more more than it probably really needs especially doubling of certain instruments and stuff like that because what that means is that when i give stems a lot of these instruments are on their own tracks so that they can deconstruct this music by using the stems and to create a little more different music because it's all very flowing it's all in the same key it's very easy for them to you know to mix and match these tracks to come up with something that sounds slightly different a little more different to give it more variety and also they can move it around to move stuff around too so to 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 do that and that that was intentional i mean i always want them to have as much resources as possible to you know to you know, to explore with and, you know, to get as much out of the music as they possibly can. And overcomposing is one of the, the one of the techniques I use. And and, and just the, just doing enough things and enough tracks that they have enough resources to work with when they need to stretch things out to 20 minutes if they have to, you know, for, you know, so they have maybe, you know, six minutes of music and they can, they can do, you know, like 20 minutes, you know, of music by just by doing a lot of remixing and master you know matching and and doing stuff and plus using the original score as well yeah. you know as whole so yeah, yeah so it's it's very games are a lot more flexible when it comes to music stuff i mean this is it's it's not fixed and like you said the some composers like doing that like those cutscenes. so right so do i because you know it's fixed it goes from point a to point b and you know where everything is and you compose to it that's it's nice mm-hmm. it's easy to do I think the only person I've ever heard, I, I said I, I have fun doing a TV show, and I just did, did one with Warhammer, uh, Warhammer Plus, uh, and and some people would say I, I talked to said so they didn't like doing TV because of the crushing deadlines, you know, and, and I, I believe that. And when I was in software engineering, you know, we always had crushing deadlines. It was always crunch time. We, you know, every day was a work day, you know, <laughs> but. <laughs> If you if you have some time, you know, to work on things, and like I did have, uh, we did have a lot of time. I got early in the project, you know, I can work on these things, uh, like cuts, you know, things for cutscenes and stuff like that. And in the same way with the Warhammer Plus, you know, I had time to go through and and explore and make things, you know, fit, and it was a lot of fun because you know it was all there. We spotted it all. We knew where it was going to go, and uh, you know, and there was editing afterwards too <laughs> and you know and but you know so yeah it, it, that's that's a lot of fun to do that because you know it's a known thing it's mm-hmm. a very known thing whereas games games a little more difficult because especially if you go interactive music then it becomes a nightmare yeah and just, <laughs> just talk to anyone who worked in interactive music i mean yeah you need databases and can charts and all kinds of different things to in order to make all these things work together and have to use these fancy programs that are that are in game audio that are da- database based you know and mm-hmm. and yeah it's it can be it can be quite quite night- nightmarish if it gets away from you, you know? yeah for sure so <laughs> Well, you mentioned that you had a lot of time with this project because you were brought in early on. Is yeah. is there anything you would have done if you'd had a little bit more time? Well, I would like to have done more music, but then they'd have to pay me more. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, not much. I mean, I, we you know we had a we had a plan and we stuck to our plan, and it was you know we had it. You know, everything was in a spreadsheet for a lot of stuff you know that for different parts and different things and and once all those things are addressed you know uh, 
you know, you get to the point where it's just done, you know, you, you get to the end of it, you know, and, uh, sure. I'd like to do more. I mean, it's not like I ran out of ideas at any time, you know, I mean, I, I was always, I mean, for, even when I was doing something for, you know, the spreadsheet for a particular partner, I'm still throwing ideas at them, you know, musical ideas at them so they can say if this works or not. Most of the time it works because, you know, I was very familiar with the subject material and, and they wanted to go where I wanted to go. So we, we pretty much agreed all most of the time on things. So yeah, it sounds like mystery there. Well, it sounds like you didn't have the same kind of relationship with the team that uh, Goldsmith had with Ridley Scott, where <laughs> Scott just like wholesale replaced some of the music right at the very end. And uh, they had, apparently they really locked horns a few times with how the music should sound. So it sounds like you had a way better relationship. Yeah, it was, I've been lucky in that far, so far in my career as I've been working with people who, you know, knew me and liked what I was doing. I mean, for example, the Warhammer stuff, once I did uh, Dawn of War 2, you know, it was a, musically it was a big success, double CD, triple vinyl, you know, that kind of stuff. And it was, you know, it sold, sold very well. And I was a known quantity. So uh, I, when I worked in other things, you know, that they, they knew what they, what I could do for them and the Warhammer universe. And, you know, I could deliver that. And, and then I, and one of those things with Battlefleet Gothic, which is another Warhammer thing was the same team that did the aliens dark descent. Hmm. So they were already <laughs> used to me. Yeah. <laughs> in already, a good way. <laughs> yeah. In a good way. They knew what I was, I could do and everything. And so, and, you know, if they had any doubts of uh, what it was going to, if it was going to sound good or not, I mean, it was still early on and I suppose they could have replaced me if they didn't like what I was doing <laughs> and still had time. But, you know, you know, like I say, I bombarded them with ideas, showed them what I, I was th thought we could do with this and, and did a lot of stuff. So, and generally we were on the same page. So well, we wanted to make a true alien experience for the, for the players and for the listeners too, yeah. because hopefully the soundtrack will be coming out soon. And, and uh, then people, the people, the dedicated fan base of the alien franchise. So I'll, I hope they like this and they, you know, that they see this as something that is right up their alley is attuned to what they want to hear and what, the, what they want to hear from the alien universe is which is what I want. I mean, I'm a fan. Sure. So yeah. <laughs> I, I want to, I want alien. I want an alien franchise game to sound like an alien franchise game. You know, I don't want them to be disappointed. Yeah, so. no, I mean, you, you, you really nailed it. And I'm just, curious about what it means to you to kind of add your name to the credits of the composers that have created music for this incredible you know alien universe well if i can if i'm just as well known as uh austin wintry or gory hab you know <laughs> that'd be good enough for me you know I, i'm hopefully i'm well getting more well known to you know future employers uh, that'd be nice too mm -hmm. but but you know i I have to say primarily, uh, I do music because this is what I like. I mean, I can retire, but I don't want to retire. Uh, and this is what I want to do. And and I wouldn't know what to do with myself if I didn't do it, you know? <laughs> so, so, so definitely this is what I want. So the satisfaction is, is being, is primarily being able to do this kind of work to begin with and doing something for an alien franchise. Well, that's just frosting on the cake. I mean, mm. I, I've always, all my, all my, life ever since i saw it there and so i thought i would be involved in some way and when i was a composer a full-time composer i thought maybe someday i'd be doing an aliens thing i was and i seemed like i was always preparing to do it and then it came along it wasn't wasn't a huge surprise <laughs> it seemed inevitable almost you know and yeah and and I got to do something I really, I really enjoyed and really got into and something I studied for a long time and something I was really well prepared for. So that was nice to be able to jump into something like that, you know, with all your guns loaded, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it really comes through in the music. I can tell how much you were just really into doing this and making it sound really good. And Doyle, I really enjoyed talking with you. About it. So thank, <laughs> well, thank you. you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thanks for ha having me here. I, 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 uh, I don't mind do it talking about myself, <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, no, 
just I just like talking about music. I could bore you. you know, if you were a composer, I'd probably be talking your arm off about uh, you know virtual instruments and, and gear and stuff like that too. Sure. Just, well, that's that's what those hallway <laughs> conversations at GDC are for. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and uh, which I've participated on a lot. Uh, on, <laughs> numerous occasions <laughs> as you can see there I, yeah. yep i got the sweatshirt to prove it <laughs> yeah yeah i got a bunch of stuff my night shirt is a gdc shirt so <laughs> with a hood right <laughs> well again it's been really fun talking with you and i hope we have a chance to to catch up and chat again another time that would be great well i hope so i hope so i hope there's something worthy of your time to chat about <laughs> <laughs>